Hello, everybody. This is the Cincinnati Herald podcast. I'm your host, John Alexander Reese, digital editor of the Cincinnati Herald. And if you didn't know, the Cincinnati Herald has been around since 1955 and is the largest African American newspaper in the greater Cincinnati area. And today, let me introduce my guests. We have co host and media consultant for the Cincinnati Herald, Andrea Carter. How are you doing today, Andrea? Fine, John. How are you today? I'm doing just fine. And then we also have with us Circulation Director for the Herald, Wade Lacey Sr. How are you doing today, Wade? Doing good, John. It's good to be here. Glad that you're here. And then we also have Herald intern Suhana Sinhan with us. How are you doing today, Suhana? I'm doing fantastic, John. Thank you so much for having me. Glad you're here. So let's head into some of the top news topics of the week. Minette Cooper, who was a former Cincinnati Vice Mayor and longtime City Council member, passed away peacefully August 29th. 2021 at the age of 73. Ms. Cooper, a Democrat, was first elected to council in 1995 on her first run for city council. She served until 2003, holding positions as vice mayor, finance chair, health and human services committees chair, and economic development committee chair. She was instrumental in helping the city heal and move forward after the civil unrest in 2001. Andrea, your thoughts on the passing of Minette Cooper. I um, I was saddened to hear um, when I learned of Minette's death. I had the honor of covering her back when um, uh, I was working as a journalist at Cincinnati Herald, and it was amazing to watch her stand up, speak out. She spoke her mind. She was feisty. She and Dwight Tillery and several other people on council at the time worked as a unit when especially came to the black community and especially when the civil unrest occurred and um the collaborative and working on the collaborative it was interesting to watch them help to heal the community pull it together and she will always be known for that even when she developed ms it never stopped her um in fact she said it helped to power her and keep her going because she saw the didn't see it as a hindrance, but as a help because it was something that sometimes made her weak, but didn't stop her from doing what she needed to do for the best of Cincinnati. Wade, your thoughts on the passing of uh, uh, Minette Cooper? Well, I, I too was saddened to hear that she had passed. She was uh, different from most politicians that, that uh, no matter what the issues were and what fight she was involved in, she was well liked by everyone. Uh, she had uh, previously uh, ran for the Cincinnati uh, School Board as well, and uh, she graduated from Howard University, a special education program, got a master's from Xavier. Uh, she has served on the Cincinnati Board of Health, the Southwest Ohio Regional Transit Authority Board, and of course, she was a member of the Lynx. Uh, like I said, she was well-liked by everybody her time on, on the city council. She did a lot, fought for a lot. Uh, she had been sick for a while now, but I was surprised, to, still surprised to hear that she had passed away. And um, uh, my, my heart goes out to her family. Suhana, any um, thoughts on this story? Um, John, knowing such capable women was serving part of Cincinnati committee, uh, I feel like she would be a little disappointed to know that she passed away in the midst of pandemic. I know that if she was alive, she would have wished to see this pandemic pass away completely. As long as she was alive, she served the city as long as 
as best of her abilities and now that she passed away i wish her and her family my deepest condolences and i hope now she rests in peace knowing that she has served the community really well and done a great job at it um cincinnati is so much full of history and so rich with so many incidents um it's just great that one more person is added to its uh, hall of fame and moving on new york governor andrew cuomo announced tuesday that he is resigning from his position in light of sexual harassment allegations made against him cuomo made the announcement at a press briefing in which he apologized for his actions and said i accept full responsibility Cuomo said wasting energy on distractions is the last thing that state government should be doing, and he doesn't want to be the cause of that. Cuomo said his resignation will take effect in two weeks, in which time Lieutenant Governor Kathy Hochul will take over as governor. Wade, what are your thoughts on this story? It's unfortunate for the Democrats, for one. They had looked at him as a, a, a hero uh, in 2020 with the pandemic, the way he handled that situation and all that everyone went through in New York. He has stood out as a leader. I think that uh, in 2024, he probably probably would have been mentioned as a presidential candidate, if not for the, the top office as the second, second in the charge. I, I think that we won't see that now. Uh, yeah. But I think that that was, uh, EOP's main thing was to get him out of there in that position uh, of leadership because he looked very strong a year ago. You would really see some good things uh, coming forward for him. Uh, so uh, that's unfortunate for the Democrats in that respect. Uh, on the issue of the sexual harassment and all that, it's, it's something we see over and over again. He, uh, he denied intentionally uh, doing anything, and he, he said that he hoped that uh, anyone didn't uh, misunderstand uh, anything he did. He's a little sidestepping it, but he's not totally taking the blame, saying that he did anything. It should be interesting to see now that he resigns if uh, they will continue to uh, go forward trying to win any type of uh, cases against him. It's interesting that they could take him down so quickly, but Trump, who had actual allegations of rape and several more women uh, with charges against him, different things said on tape and all types of stuff. But within uh, a six to eight month period, they was able to bring Como down, but they weren't able to get Trump. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah, it definitely is interesting. Uh, Andrea, what are your thoughts on this story? Uh, I, I think that he has a lot to answer for, Andrew Cuomo. I think he is very disillusioned to what the situation is, but I think politically he's been very astute on how he's handling it right now. I think he's playing the odds. I think that in the long run, he needs to admit that he did something wrong, but right now he's not willing to admit it. He's willing, sort of like he half admitted something occurred, but it's not his fault, which, you know, is typical out of if you listen to other men who have been accused of the similar situation, what their initial response is, how they're fighting it, and then the outcome. I think politically, though, he's very astute to 
see the tea leaves on the wall, resign now, knowing that, you know, somewhere down the line, you can fight this and come back swinging because he's got an $18 million war chest. That's a lot of power he has over Democratic candidates going into the midterm elections. And he can still control New York politics behind the scenes because if he can't win and he can't run again, he can be the kingmaker of New York politics. So, I mean, it's in the best interest that he goes away right now on the scene, forefront on the scene, but behind the scenes, everyone's going to be clamoring for his money. So it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Because even though politically he's dead, politically he's not dead. He's just getting started. Suhana, what are your thoughts on this story? Um, John, I think the most interesting part of this story is that something has been done about this situation. Did something wrong and uh, he's getting accused for it and certain actions are being taken against him. But uh, I'm agreeing with Andrea, I feel they are still taking it quite lightly. And uh, he's not getting reprimanded quite enough. I don't know much about uh, how this is going to proceed ahead and what's, what does this mean for New York's political future or his political career. But uh, I hope uh, that... Uh, this doesn't become eventually a victim blaming case or doesn't take any unnecessary turns, which doesn't bring justice to those girls who have finally filed the cases and tried to get justice from this whole system. Moving on to the next story. With a robust vote after weeks of fits and starts, the Senate approved a $1 trillion infrastructure plan for states coast to coast on Tuesday. As a rare coalition of Democrats and Republicans joined together to overcome skeptics and deliver a cornerstone of President Joe Biden's agenda, the overwhelming tally provided fresh momentum for the first phase of Biden's Build Back Better priorities, now heading to the House. A sizable number of lawmakers showed they were willing to set aside partisan pressures, at least for a moment, eager to send billions to their states for rebuilding roads, broadband internet, water pipes, and the public work systems that underpin much of American life. The vote also set the stage for a much more contentious fight over Biden's bigger $3.5 trillion package that is next up in the Senate, a more liberal undertaking of child care, elder care, and other programs that is much more partisan and expected to draw only Democratic support. That debate is expected to extend into the fall. Andrea, what are your thoughts on this new story? Well, I, I think the, the interesting thing that you said was the much needed money for projects, roads, bridges, tunnels, and everyone's um, neighborhoods and towns and cities. I, I think the Republicans saw the writing on the wall. They needed to bring home some bacon to their areas, um, especially those who are up for reelection next year. So they had to concede and do something bipartisan to show that they're willing to work with the Democrats, at least on taking care of their communities. Now, when it comes to taking care of people, that's another issue. And what we're going to see is that when you want more of the infrastructure regarding people when it comes to health care, daycare, uh, and things like that, Republicans are going to balk at this because they don't see 
those items as infrastructure. They see those as liberal issues. When in fact, infrastructure is everything that you do to take care of people so that they can succeed and go to work, generate tax revenue that will help take care of the government and those public services that we need and depend upon. To be that small in thinking and also that politically thinking that do as little as possible so Biden won't fulfill his administration duties so he won't look good when it comes to re-election time. I think is working more against the Republican Party than for the Republican Party because what they did during the Obama years, what they did during the Clinton years, and what they're doing now is working more against them than for them. They're losing so many people right now who are walking away from their party because they're tired of not being taken care of by the party that they believe in. And they're going to go look for someone who will take care of them, whether it's a Democrat or whether it's an independent. And more and more people, because of COVID, are recognizing the need. Now, on the other hand, there's a lot of far-right people who are, who are chomping at the bit, and Republicans want more political power. But I think they need to stop and take care of their people because if they take care of the people, they'll get their power back. But because they're not thinking that way, they're going to lose more than they gain. Wade, what are your thoughts on this story? I actually think this is a good step forward. I think this is the new trend. The uh, Republicans and um, Democrats, I think, are anxious to work together uh, to, to get some things done that hasn't been done for years now. I think that they, the Republicans realize that publicly they are losing support because of certain things not being done. Uh, it was it was easy <laughs> for a while to just pull the the, uh, the cloak over people and uh, people who just kind of went along with whatever was being said and all. But with this pandemic, we've had the last. 16 months or so and everything, people are in need of change. They expect change and they are tired of the status quo as it was before. And they expect their political leaders now to do something. So I think that you, what you're seeing now, even if you listen to the uh, some of the uh, Republican leaders as of late, what they're saying now, things that they're saying, it's all about moving forward now. They've got to work together in certain respects and get things done. Otherwise, they will be a dead uh, um, a party. So I think this is a good thing. Uh, it's a lot, we're talking a lot of money, 1.2 trillion, which could lead to that 3 trillion. And uh, I know a lot of that is dealing with some of the Biden's uh, priorities, such as free community college, subsidizing childcare, expanding caregiving and all that. And so it's gonna be a lot of talking back and forth and everything, but now they, they are back to, uh, business as usual in terms of uh, talking and trying to get things done uh, in terms of spending money to get things done. And uh, as I said one time before, uh, this is a win-win for everybody, whether it's the Republicans or the, or the Democrats. Everybody needs to get this done. And I think that uh, going forward the next uh, couple of years, even though they, yeah, they, they, they don't want the Democrats to look good and everything. I think they realize that they look real bad themselves and they have to get something done. Suhana, your thoughts on the story? Um, John, recently we discussed uh, about 
how Biden administration is planning to release some money into American infrastructure scenario. And now that the money is out, it's quite a good news. And my only thing is that I understand that the this trillion amount is not enough to uh, improve this situation of American suburbs evenly. But wherever the amount of money land for assistance, it should make some amount of noise in terms of help it provides that particular town and cities. And it should be interesting to cover what all help was this money able to provide. The administration has asked some time from us and they've provided some money into this whole situation. So wherever this money goes and whatever situation it helps should be a good reflection on America's situation because most of the technology and roads and infrastructure is based in few towns where people try to migrate more or less. But the smaller towns which are ignored for a while now, if this money can help this situation in some ways, then it will be a very good thing and can take America's situation more ahead in the future. Moving on to our next story. Former NFL player Cornelius Neil Craig died Monday, August 9th, 2021. During his football career as a defensive back or strong safety, he played for the Cincinnati Bengals, Buffalo Bills, and the Cleveland Browns. He attended Taft High School and is in its Athletic Hall of Fame. He attended Fisk University in Nashville, Tennessee, earning a bachelor's degree in sociology. He also played on Fisk's football team as a defensive back. The Cincinnati Bengals drafted Neil Craig as its seventh round draft pick in 1971. After playing for three NFL teams, he retired from the Cleveland Browns in 1976. He was a life member of Kappa Alpha Psi and a member of the Cincinnati Alumni Chapter. Wade, your thoughts on the passing of uh, Craig? I was surprised. When I think of Neil Craig, I think of someone just full of life. Big big guy, uh, just, just, just a strong guy and, and sometimes we we get misled and think people's gonna live forever uh but yeah he he was a football player from from cincinnati played with the Bengals. um uh, most importantly played for the cleveland browns for, <laughs> for a little while but uh yeah uh Taft high school hall of fame for both football and track uh, uh very likable guy uh everybody knew him after he left football, he worked for uh, various companies. He was a fixture uh, in the community. Uh, he used his position as a former bingo and his position as with the companies that he worked with to father several uh, organizations along, uh, helping them with their needs. Uh, like I say, he, he was a, a big guy. He was a fun guy to be around. He did a lot for, the, for, the, uh, for the, his community, and I'm sorry to see him go. Andrew, your thoughts on this story? Yeah, I, I was I, I had I knew I had heard that he was um, not doing very well. And um, he um, he was a big, big lover of Kappa Alpha Psi. My cousin was his fraternity brother. So I would see him at their galas and other events. And, I you know, I got to see him off and on at different events and things throughout the community. He was a wonderful guy. He was very funny, too. And I always the, the thing I thought about him the most was one, he was one of the few guys I know who looked good bald headed. And two, he was so tall because I always had to look up to him. 
but he was a wonderful, caring guy. His longtime companion, Deborah Spradley, um, they made a lovely couple. And I, I know that they were um, just concerned for the community. They always did things together. And just to see, to hear that he had passed was a shock. And I'm just so sorry. I'm always saddened to hear when someone passes, but especially a Bengals player, because, you know, he actually worked for a winning team at the time. So, you know, it was sorry to hear him pass that way, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I feel for the family and I'm, I, um, I will always remember him as a good guy for Cincinnati. Suhana, your thoughts on the story? John, I didn't know about Craig much, but uh, reading about his story and hearing people talk about how, what kind of person he was, I know as a matter of fact that he was a very accomplished player and deeply loved by people who surrounded him. And as he has passed away, my deepest condolences lie with people who miss him now that he's gone. But he has left a great impact in the game history of Cincinnati and in, I think in the hearts of people who knew him. Well, that's it for today's show. Uh, I want to thank all my guests for coming on. Thank you, Andrea, Wade, and Suhana. We really appreciate all your input in all the stories. And make sure to check out the stories we talked about today on our website at www.thecincinnatiherald.com. You can also check out our print edition, which is sold at your local Kroger, UDF, Walgreens, Joseph Beth Booksellers, and at select service stations. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app. We are on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Audible, and TuneIn Radio. Just search for the Cincinnati Herald podcast. Follow us at the Cincinnati Herald on Facebook. Follow us at Cincy Herald on Twitter and Instagram and follow us on YouTube. Just search for the Herald TV. I'm John Alexander Reese, digital editor of the Cincinnati Herald and have a good day. Mm-hmm.